yeah, I was talking to, I was a small group and I was trying to talk about the Trinity and how any physical example of the Trinity lacks in any biblical sense in regards to like, hey, if you have a hand and there's three fingers, uh, all those three fingers are attached to the hand, but those are, those three fingers are distinct um, units of a hand. It's like, well, no, because that's not the Trinity. The Father is fully God. The Son is fully God. Yeah. And the Spirit is fully God. Each each finger is not fully the hand. Because then you're just putting the Trinity parts. Yeah. And, and God, the the Godhood, like three persons, it's three persons in one being. Yeah. It's not three separate parts because, yeah, it's just. And so I was just, and, and no one really cared. And I was, at first I was kind of. Ah, frustrated because no one cares and then i realized like oh that's not something most people care about it's it's more of a you know a niche thing where you dive into it and you start caring about it but it's really interesting especially every time you see a sermon with an example at church with like the water in three forms the sun being vapor as the mist the father being ice and the spirit being water right they're both water but in just three different forms it's like well that's a heresy quite literally defined by the church historically right <laughs> so so every physical like if you if you existed back then you, you, you yeah you would have been you would have been literally excommunicated excommunicated or executed like like that was it was for, it, for what for saying that jesus is Jesus is like it's water. It's a different mode, right? Yeah, it's modalism. It's like, a you're uh, saying that the Father is literally just transforms into a different uh, well, they person, would, like takes on a different role or something like that. Like they would say, well, no, because with with the with the example, let's say with the example of the water, right? Um, you can assign any of the modes to any of the uh, persons of the Godhead. So let's say you assign the ice, a solid state, to the Father the spirit would get vapor and then Jesus gets water. They would say that, well, they're all God, but they're all distinct. But like you said, the, the example falls apart because they're all still water. And so they're just different modes of water. And so you either fall into the category of it's one God presenting himself in three different forms or it's the God the Father who creates the Son, which is Arianism, right? Arian didn't believe that yeah. Jesus was fully God. And so every example that you've probably ever heard at church in regards to a physical example of what the Trinity is falls apart. But we still keep on mentioning them, even though this thing's like been settled for thousands of years in the church. And I guess that was my frustration at Smoker. I was like, ah, this is a big deal, but no one cares about it. And then I realized, like, well, it takes time to kind yeah. of get there. But I think it just, in general, uh, the average evangelical or the average Christian doesn't have a love or a, a interest in the Trinity. Yeah, because it's not, like, I didn't get the re- reason for the Trinity until the gospel was a big and deeper topic for me. And I didn't get the roles that each each person plays in the redemptive role. Like Dr. James White really made it interesting, fascinating when he says, when the world began, right, it was created by the word of his power, meaning God. And uh, in John 1, it says, the word was with God, the word was God, 
and he dwelt among men and we beheld his glory. Like the Logos, right? He became flesh. And so when you realize that in the story of Abraham sending a servant to find a wife for his son Isaac is actually a representation of the gospel where the father sends the spirit to redeem a bride for his son. It's like, oh, each person in the Trinity plays a distinct role in my redemption. It becomes personal to me. The father elects. He elects his people. The son obeys the father, comes down, and dies for them, and redeems every single person whom the father elected. So all Jesus Christ, the son, is doing is obediently redeeming whom the father elected, right? And then Jesus Christ, he ascends into heaven. And then the spear is sent to resurrect from death to life those for whom Christ died. So there's a clear lineage there. The spirit regenerates or makes born again those for whom Jesus dies for. Jesus dies for those whom the father elects. And so the Godhead, God himself, plays distinct roles in his personhood through how our redemption is fulfilled, right? Yeah. It's the son who dies. It's the father who elects and it's the spirit who regenerates. And the spirit who lives within inside us and who cries, Abba, Father. And he is the seal for our redemption, right? Um, We were just going through Ephesians where it says, the spirit is the seal or the promise of our inheritance. The guarantee. The guarantee of our inheritance until we receive it. And until the gospel or, or the story of how your redemption was set makes sense through the Trinity, the Trinity is just like a cool a, a cool uh, fact that you know about Christianity. And it's, you know, I, I was reading the a book called Delighting in the Trinity, and it made a really good point in that, like another awesome thing is that how the Father loved the Son from all eternity. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit. And so it's like that relationship with the, with the Father and Son, but to... But to understand that it was happening from all eternity, what that does is it makes it show that God does not need us. He is not he's self sufficient. Because if he if he created us because he needed us, that means he's not all giving. He is not all he he, he pretty much He cannot be love if he is a single person and a single God. Yeah. It makes him a needy person. It makes him uh not self-sufficient. Yeah, and that's the problem with Islam. Islam is monotheistic, but it's also single personhood, right? And so he can never have a loving relationship. He has to have something outside of himself to have a loving relationship. But scripture literally says God is love. And the only way God is love is if God, one being, has three persons who are, are fully God, who have a eternal loving relationship between each other and that's the kind of love that jesus bestows upon his church he loved he loved he loved us with the same love Mm -hmm. he has for his son right god the father loved us with the same love he has for son because his son was the propitiation or the sacrifice on our behalf and so you know we have to have a loving God head Trinity in order to have love itself. And like 
the more you dive into the Trinity, the more you comprehend the depths of who God is and the necessity for us to understand the Trinity properly. Because if you fall into Unitarianism or believing that God is one, there's only one God, a lot of, you know, oneness Pentecostals believe this and say, well, Jesus is a created being, right? And so the question always goes back to who did God love before he created anything? And how can he be love outside of himself? Yeah. Right. Well, you just said that Unitarian is they believe in one God, but we also believe in one God. I think what you mean is well, that you just believe in one one person. Like, Well, the, yeah. Well, my whole point is that Islam believes in God. The Unitarians believe in one God. Um, the Christians believe in one God. But it's the God who is described as a trinity that only makes sense in the Christian worldview. Like, there has to be three distinct persons. Yeah. And also, this this brings up a great point. How do you define the trinity? Right? How do you, like, if you were to sit down and actually define the trinity, a lot of people go, uh, automatically go to assumptions of physical examples, right? The water example, the egg being the shell, the white part of the yolk, that being the trinity, or, you know, the water vapor one, or, you know, your your fingers and your hand, they're all part of one, but they're all three distinct things. The three-leaf clover. Three-leaf clover. Like, you all know, those physical examples fall short of describing who God is because they're all, like, literally big H heresy. It's because they're all, you know why? Because they're all physical examples. Yeah. You know what? God is spirit. So how can you describe, first of all, how can you describe has, how is God is a spirit, or God is spirit? Mm-hmm. First of all, that's hard enough to describe enough. Like, like it's like, wait a second. God is, um, another crazy thing to think about is like, God is omnipresent. Mm-hmm. But he, he can make himself be, like, he's in the heavens, right? But he can somehow uh, be everywhere at once. He could be everywhere in this part of the universe, in this part and of the yet universe. And yeah, be Christ and be in the flesh and yeah. calm down. And then the whole entire thing with Jesus, right? Taking on human flesh, becoming a, f- a physical reality. Like, how do you comprehend that with your mind? Like, there is, there's ways we can uh, sort of describe it, but not everything is revealed to us. Yeah, right? so... A- if you try to break down the simplest definition of the Trinity, it would be this. There is one God as being. He is who he is. That's from scripture. And then there's three distinct persons within the Godhead. Yeah. The Father being fully God, the Spirit being fully God, and the Son being fully God. All of them are fully God. But the Spirit is not the Son. The Son is not the Father, and the Father is not the Spirit. And that's uh, the simplest way I can think of it. But the, they're all God. They're all, so yeah. Fa- the Father is God. The Spirit is God. Jesus yeah. is God. And persona, actually, the word persona comes from a Greek understanding of tragedy. Do you do you remember those masks that uh, always people tattoo on each other or like use in, in plays where there's a happy mask? And that means comedy uh, in Greek plays and a sad mask. I was thinking tragedy. N95 or surgical. No, we're hopeful we're past COVID. But but <laughs> those back. those masks, those representations come from ancient Greece, and that mask was called persona. Yeah. And so that's kind of where the word comes from, 
but that was just the origin of the word. What personhood means is who you are as an individual, right? You're a human being, but your personhood is Tom. You live in your body. Uh, and that's kind of the definition that the Christian church gathered over the years. The Trinity has always been defined by what it's not than by what it is. Meaning that the way the Trinity got more and more specific throughout church history and the definition got more and more precise was when people came up with ideas that were not biblical. And so they had it pushed away. And so the Trinity can't really be defined by exactly what it is. It can only be defined by what it's not. Right. That's kind of the best explanation I have. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, In a sense, it's kind of a mystery, right? Yeah, definitely. But in the same way, it's still something that can be... Def- Comprehended to a point and revealed. Yeah. It's been revealed to us in Scripture. Like God has revealed who he is through his yeah. son, John 1, right? That's the amazing thing is that... In the that, beginning was the word, the word was with God. Yeah. And he dwelt among us in flesh. And we beheld his glory. The Logos became in flesh. He is the representation of his Godhood. And... God the Father has never been seen by eyes, right? And yet, and yet Moses somehow sees the backside of God. And some so sometimes there are mentions of the pre-incarnate Christ in the Old Testament. And then we have the spirit that lives within us. And so we have all these descriptions of the persons of the Godhead. In Scripture, they're clearly distinct, right? We can, we can point to God the Father who speaks to the Son when Jesus gets baptized, right? And the spirit is there, right? Descending like a dove. Mm-hmm. So we clearly see that there are three, because di- Jesus is not randomly talking to himself. A voice is heard from heaven. So there is, there are different persons in the Godhead, but the Godhead is one. Yeah. He is one God. Th- yeah. That's kind of the best uh, explanation uh, I've heard because again, the, the Trinity has been always been defined by what it's not rather than what, what it is because it is a mystery. Um, and yet, we can't make that excuse by saying it's a mystery, and so I'm going to use a poor explanation for it by using an example of water or an egg or anything physical, right? We have to we have to be precise where we can be precise, and where we can't be precise, we don't need to be because God did not reveal that to us in Scripture. No, just Justine, this reminds me of um, one time after work, I was... You know, I came home for lunch and I was, I heard a knock at the door and I opened the door and it's two people in very nice suits and ties and they're handing me some literature. Mm. And it, what it turned out to be was a, a group, a group of church people called Jehovah, Jehovah's Witnesses. Dude, I was going for the Mormons. <laughs> I mean, they didn't have bikes. They ro- They rode their car, huh? I don't know. They drove their car. They didn't ride their bikes. <laughs> you can you can argue that the Mormons are more eco friendly, but yeah, the Jehovah's Witnesses. Funny story, uh, they came to my parents' house once, maybe years ago. My mom still gets mail from them like every 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 week or every month or so. They just keep on sending literature. Wow, they're very dedicated. Yeah, and it's interesting because they came up and they they started you know. They somehow knew we were Russian or Slavic. Yeah, they have a registry. They know who we are. Yeah. It's kind of creepy, but then I'm like, oh, no, no, I speak English. Like, I speak a lot better English. Uh, so I just started talking to them. 
and they were like just talking about very general stuff like like pretty much i a lot of the stuff i agree with like you know waiting for jesus to come back and all this stuff and i was like you know what about the trinity like do you guys believe in the trinity and all these things and they're like no we don't and we don't think you know it's something that's very important and i'm like but jesus said it was important like did you know that jesus says that you know that unless you believe that i am he you will die in your sins Mm -hmm. like this is something very important like obviously they try to change the subject they they just didn't have an answer like i know there is some jehovah's Jehovah's witness that do have an answer but maybe these uh these persons didn't have time or you know either way it was such an important topic because there is there is such an important thing to like known that jesus said unless you believe that i am he and that is the that is literally like putting on like the i am statement for moses on the burning bush right in Saying, exodus 40 i am who i am not 40 i lied <laughs> exodus way before 40 it's like exodus 3 yeah i was thinking of something else my apologies yeah and the the crazy you may be thinking of isaiah 40 yeah and the crazy thing about the trinity and the jehovah's witnesses is if you get down to the bare bones of the gospel and you ask this question who did jesus pay right pay yeah who did jesus pay for our sin when jesus christ is hanging the cross he says it is finished what was finished and what did he actually do because there was an atonement for sin right that's what we believe like the life that was paid for our sins made us righteous, right? Instead of our lives, his life was given. But who was the life given to? Yeah. Right? And so that brings up, again, the Trinity. And so when you see Jesus Christ die on the cross, he is God who is accepting the eternal punishment of wrath as the Son of God, right, from the Father. And the Father is pouring out his wrath on the Son in order for us to no longer experience the wrath when we trust and put our hope in Christ. He gives us his perfect righteousness. He imputes it onto us and we impute our sin and all of our evil deeds and actions and motivations onto him. And those are the things Christ died for on the cross. Would they say the devil? I'm not sure what they would say. I didn't look into Jehovah's Witness theology. I don't know if there is actually a coherent understanding or a developed understanding of the theological and uh, you know, com- the, the, the theology of the actual atonement. Yeah. And so we as Christians would say from Scripture, Christ paid God the Father for our sins, and God the Father poured out his wrath on God the Son. And that's what he experienced. And the thing that was finished was our redemption once he said, it is finished, and he gave up his spirit. Yeah. He laid the iniquity of us all on the lamb. It says that. Well, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's where that's where the Trinity makes personal impact for a Christian. When they start understanding the implication of the gospel and how they were redeemed and, and how the Trinity actually is intertwined and, uh, you know, very intricately plays the role of who is the one who redeems through his sacrifice? That's the son. Who is the one who 
plans it out and elects, that's the Father, who is the one who resurrects from the dead through regeneration and being born again. Raises, you know, I, I mean, raised to life from death spiritually and also physically when Christ returns, right? When we, when Christ returns, those who are dead in Christ shall raise first, and then we who are left alive will be changed in the blink of an eye. And yeah. when you understand that, it makes the Trinity so much more glorious and so much more impactful in your life. What about the whole thing about James Wade talks about this in a debate about, you know, who, man, I'm trying to remember. Maybe you remember. I don't, I don't know. Is it with the one that's Pentecostal or, or who? So it has to do with like the will. Oh, whose will it is? Yeah. Whose will it is? No, it's talking about salvation and like. Like, who wills salvation? Oh. So it has to do with, like, Arminianism versus Calvinism. Mm. And it has to do with, in his closing statement, he's talking about how the every single member is, intri- like, uh, very purposely working in a, to bring out salvation. Oh, I, I got that, you. I got you. I get you. And so that if um, pretty much that I the human will exactly is so powerful... About is that it's able to block and thwart the will of the Holy Spirit, the Son, and God in bringing out the redemption of, of whoever he wants to. Yeah, and a great great explanation that James White gives. Let's say the Father elects you, Tom. Yeah. And then the Son dies for you. So, so you know, the, the Father is working his plan of salvation the son is obediently giving his own life for your redemption but when the spirit tries to regenerate you you say no yeah and so the godhead can no longer operate in a way where god the father's election comes to fruition because now you are blocking the work of the spirit right and so can the godhead actually work with you know in tandem as as the three you know the trinity in loving harmony to redeem us well it depends if you agree with the spirit or not right and so does god fail in his redemptive plan yeah or or jesus if he dies for every single person in the world and yet god elect elected that person yeah the bible talks about jesus doing the will of the father mm-hmm. and the, jesus says that everyone that you give to me i will raise up on the last day, yeah. Yeah. And John so, 6. And so you see this perfect harmony is that every person in the Trinity is working together in harmony. They're doing... They have the same will in a sense, don't they? Like, God's will, yeah. He is God. Yeah. And so the will of the Trinity is never opposed to each other. They are... They are one. They, they are one in... in being. The, three yeah. in essence. <laughs> they have the same goal. They have the same you know, will they have the same thing that they're, they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Because he is God. And so again, that, that gets into the Trinity and how we describe it. But ultimately the Trinity does impact so much of our theology of atonement and our theology of sanctification and our hope. We just don't realize it because a lot of times it's difficult to think through these things and it takes time and effort. Um, And it seems like a really nerdy and annoying fact-based thing and it really isn't it it comes down to your relationship with who god is and your 
you being in awe and baffled by his eternal love for you and how he accomplished your salvation. Yeah. And it's all about your actual purpose for studying these things. Yeah. If if it's to puff up your knowledge and to just become oh this person that could debate and win debates, like no. The reason you study theology is because you want people to love uh, these things so you could teach them and then so you could teach yourself to obey these things so you could learn to love the trinity so you could be like i love that god is so intricate in the bible and all these things connect yeah it, it takes it takes a while to learn about who god is and that's why yeah it you takes have a, a lifetime. lifetime and then after that eternity and you're still and still god is infinite and you will never behold yeah, all a- of who he is and that's the beautiful part about it we as christians have an infinite god whom we can love and pursue for eternity and that's what heaven's all about it's the comprehension and our devotion and our pursuit of the most holy god and whom we can we can truly trust and delight in